Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Liz Loza and I am joined by my on-set partner in crime, at least for one Sunday, it was last Sunday, Dalton Del Don. Dalton, it was so great being on set for Fantasy Football Live with you. Yes, hopefully I didn't make too much of a fool of myself, but yeah, that was a ton of fun shooting FFL. It was a bit scary live, but yeah, that was fun and and now back to podcasting. Absolutely. Well, you admitted to wearing makeup. You don't have to do that for this gig. Um, but <laughs> I thought you, you dropped some mad stats. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, bud. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Well, Dalton, let's discuss, maybe have a little coffee talk. Coffee talk. About Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, because that backfield wasn't full of Kamara sugar this past week. And I know I'm getting a lot of tweets from panicked owners. Have you? Yes, I am as well. Um, I'm personally not too worried. It makes sense. The Saints giving him a break after working him so hard over the first four games. He had a bit of a knee thing and now they're on a bye. So to me, Kamara is still an easy top five fantasy back. Maybe he's no longer in the conversation with Gurley. Like I, I understand that he has to take a step back after Ingram, not only getting immediate work and, but looking so good, but, but come you know, a, a target to Alvin Kamara is worth more than a normal touch to another running back. So yeah, he's not going to be among the league leaders moving forward in the touches department, but I'm still not panicking. And if owners are, are worried, now is the time to trade for him based on these questions. One thing I will say though, is not. Not only do they have a bye, then they travel to Baltimore and to Minnesota. I know the Vikings defense hasn't been that great, but that certainly isn't the greatest upcoming three weeks. Yeah, there's certainly a lot to get through. But again, I would prefer Kamara's skill set in either of those matchups over sure. Ingram's, right? And yep. I also, you know, want to remember sometimes in fantasy, we have to react. We do all these rapid reactions on social media. What are your immediate thoughts? Well, my immediate thought, frankly, is to take a beat because one game does not a trend make, you know? And there could be a million reasons why Ingram had a heavier workload. Everything from, as you mentioned, resting Kamara, getting Ingram back up to speed. Also, there are a ton of injuries at this position and a ton of trade rumors for running backs whispered around the league, right? So wouldn't it make sense? Maybe you could you could imagine a scenario in which Sean Payton, who's had a couple of dust ups, rather public dust ups with Ingram, might want to feature his skill set for trade value. It's possible. The NFL is always so boring at the trade deadline. I mean, maybe this year's different with Bell, but I would be surprised if the Saints trade one of those two backs personally. I'd be surprised. 
I'm not saying I'd be surprised, but I'm saying it's a possibility, which is why we yeah. can't just freak out and throw Kamara to the wind. I mean, in 2017, he averaged seven and a half carries per game and just over five receptions per game. Before week five, he was averaging 14 carries per game. That's nearly twice as much in terms of rushing and 8.75 receptions per game. That's a lot more than he'd been doing. So, right, you can still have a regression and finish in the top five, like you're saying. So I think everyone just needs to take a breath, get through this by, and also welcome Alvin Kamara owners to having a clunker of a week. Jay Ajayi, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Alex Collins, Le'Veon Bell, all of those owners have been dealing with this on the regular. So I'm not crying for you too hard, right? Yeah, no, he's been so good carrying owners for the first month of the season. He's going to be just fine. So the Carolina Panthers have not been carried by Ian Thomas, who's the rookie tight end there, because Greg Olson has been out. But it looks like he is fully practicing this week. He's expected to play at Washington. Overall, you and I talk about it week to week. The tight end position has been terrible in 2018. So how quickly are you willing to trust Olson given the scarcity at the position? Yeah, obviously it's team dependent, but I have him actually at my tight end 16 this week. So I am a little bit wary. I'm just so worried about him re-injuring that, which could happen mid-game. It could happen right away. It's a, it's an injury that he's going to have to have surgery on at the end of the season. And there are a couple sneaky values like McDonald or Uzuma in a shootout and, and, and Austin Hooper and Brait in a possible shootout. So I think tight end, while I agree with you overall, the season has been a, a bit of a, a barren landscape. Uh, this week, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Are you a little bit more aggressive than, than my ranking? of him at tight end number 16? I have him at tight end number 15. So it sounds like you and I are in lockstep on this one. If you have him, I understand wanting to play him instead of fishing for what could be complete trash. But this is a recurrent issue now, right? This was the foot last year. It's the same foot. So a setback is what I'm most concerned about as well. For sure. I think we're on the same page here. I certainly wouldn't trade for him or be aggressive trying to find him or bid for him if he had ended up on waivers. He's 71% owned in most leagues, in all Yahoo leagues, in fact. So I think, you know, uh, he's on that uh, just outside of the tight end one starting position, assuming a 12-team league. Yeah, and, and also his return does possibly mean fewer targets for Devin Funches and McCaffrey as well. That's a good point. That's a good point, though. Have you adjusted CMC at all in your rankings because no. of that? Nah. No, I haven't this week. Yeah, fun just a little, but not this week. I got him locked and loaded as a top five option. Ditto. All right, so let's look at some exciting week six matchups. And because Dalton, I don't know if our listeners know this, but I'm going to drop a little more knowledge. In addition to working on live television and in addition to sometimes ne- needing makeup tutorials, he's also our hoops guy here at Yahoo Fantasy. So I want to compare these week six matchups with some NBA opening night games. And I'm going to start with... Tampa Bay at Atlanta, which I think has a little Pelicans at Rockets feel. You feeling that? Yeah, the Falcons are the, are like the Rockets for sure. Very good on offense, conscientious objectors on defense. They've come very close the last few years, but their in-conference competition just keeps getting better and better. And then on the flip side, the Bucks are the Pelicans. No one is quite sure if they're good, but they're competing. When everything is clicking, They look great, but when they're not, you're not sure why any of these pieces are on this team. Their centerpiece player, you know, Jameis, kind of like Anthony Davis, might not even be on the team in a year or two. A couple of trade candidates. Indeed. So we're expecting this game to be wide open in terms of scoring. Are you downgrading, however, any of the Tampa Bay receiving options with Jameis under center again? 
Not at all. I have Jameis as my QB4 this week. I mean, coming off a bye, so he should have been, you know, practicing with the ones. I have Mike Evans, my wide receiver three. Fully expect, I mean, the shoot at 57 and a half is the over or under here. So, no, I, I, I mean, uh, the second half last, last year, Winston got 8.7 YPA. So their defense is absolutely atrocious. So this should just be a track meet. So start all of your players here. Julio Jones, uh, zero red zone targets since week one, which I, I mean, that's just crazy. So all that regression from scoring may not be here, but Muhammad Sanu, a good DFS sleeper, but fire up everyone at all possible in this game because there's going to be a lot of points scored. And while I never want a player to be injured, at least the Atlanta backfield has one oh, less yeah. body to be concerned with because it looks like Devonta Freeman is going to miss another week. That knee's still giving him trouble. So now we're back to Tevin Coleman and Ido Smith. I've moved Tevin Coleman up to my running back 16. I think you might be a little more bullish than him on him than, than that even. Yeah, I think I have him 10 right now, but right around that same tier. Maybe that's a little too high because uh, Judge Ito Smith uh, does take some some goal line <laughs> carries there. But 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 Tevin Coleman's an awesome start if there's no Freeman, which it really sounds like. So he too uh, involved there. And and Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, another actually I'd say on the flip side, the other running back that uh, is definitely worth stashing. It would definitely take some guts to start him. But, do it, but Ronald do it. Jones. Yes, I Ronald knew you were going to do it. Sure. Rojo, my boy. Yeah, Preach. Peyton Barber's is so, so bad. So Ronald Jones is definitely, at minimum, worth stashing. And if you're in a deeper league, uh, worth a dart here in this game. I have been honking about that for a while. I so appreciate you, uh, you backing me up on that one. And I just want to remind people exactly how bad the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is. Because sometimes after a bye, we forget things. But to review, they have accumulated the fourth fewest sacks and allowed the second most total yards per game. And that is after a bye. So those numbers are in alignment per game with teams that have not been on bye. So imagine those averages, right? That's huge to me. Yeah, they've allowed 9.4 YPA. That's the most in the NFL. Passer rating, opposing passer rating, 130.5. Obviously, clearly the highest in the NFL. So they are the team to target for you know opposing opposing offenses. And this, yeah, this is going to be an absolute shootout this week. Last thing, just Ronald Jones right now is owned in 30% of Yahoo League. So get on Too it. Too low. Too low. Too low. Let's talk about Kansas City at New England, another game that we're expecting to be high scoring. This is kind of like the Sixers and the Celtics to me. Oh, I like it. I like the comparison, Liz. Of course, the Pats are the Celts. They're they're always a contender and they've got the rings to back it up. The Chiefs are the Sixers, the young, talented, very good, very quick. And can they unseat the champs is the question. I mean, this has all of the makings of a classic in Foxborough. Plus, both of these teams have below average defenses. I want to ask your thoughts on the crowded receiving here in New England because mm, you could order some burgers. They've got five guys, Edelman, Gordon, Hogan, Patterson, and Dorsett. Producer Brett, can I please get a laugh track? I wrote it, so <laughs> no, I'm going to get all the all the praise for it. Dalton, uh, I know you like fancy burgers. You don't finish all of them. Did you appreciate Brett's burger joke? Yeah, I'm an in and out guy, but I did appreciate the joke for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I did like that. As I'd like any player in this game with nearly 60 points. It seems like every week I'm like, you never see an NFL total this high. This one, 59 and a half points. Just the scoring, just outrageous this season. Chiefs might be missing Justin Houston, Eric Berry. I have Brady as my number one QB. Mahomes is my number two this week. As for the receivers, Edelman I have as a top 15 wide receiver. Uh, I'm 
Uh, I'm firing up as many players as I can in this game. I mean, the points are just going to go back and forth, just like the Atlanta and then the Bucks game. Same here. In fact, I have both Sony Michelle and James White as top 12 fantasy RBs this week as well. I love Sony Michelle, especially in daily fantasy as well. He is a great value at just $26 this week in DFS. We'll talk more DFS in a little bit, but I think you're right. Anytime you can get a piece of one of these high-flying games, you have to do it. As far as Julian Edelman, though, you know, he had seven catches last week. I was frankly expecting more in that game against the Colts. Um, The catches were nice, but his yardage, he averaged 8.1 yards per reception. Now I get it. He's a slot guy, quick dink and dunks, but I just wanted a little bit more pop, a little after the catch or something. I have him fearlessly forecasted for seven receptions again and 73 yards in this one. As for Josh Gordon, I fearlessly forecasted him for four catches, 66 yards and a touchdown. What do you think about those projections? You can say you don't like him. No, no, I, I like him. I don't mean I had nine targets last week, and, and Kendall Fuller has just really struggled guarding out of, this, out of the slot. So I'm a little bit more aggressive on him. That was his first game back after the suspension. So, yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a real explosive player, and sometimes he struggles in the red zone. But I, I still think he has by far the highest floor. And Josh Gordon, obviously, just the upside there. Uh, going to be a frustrating player to own, not most consistent. But I have him in my inside my top 30 just because of that upside, and especially given the fact that this game just could be so much scoring involved. All right, let's talk Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. It's T-Wolves at Spurs. The Bengals are the T-Wolves, led by a defensive-minded coach, constantly dealing with injuries and a general front office and franchise ineptitude. The Steelers are the Spurs. They've been in the mix every year for decades. They've even won a few championships, but things aren't looking great lately. Do you trust the process? Um, I trust the process more than the result, but... Like the previous two matchups, I think this one, again, is going to be high scoring. I'm a little bit wary about Big Ben on the road because I do think the Cincinnati defense with Vontez Perfect back has looked even more stout. They've impressed me since the start of the season, but obviously getting that, I guess, Jenga piece, if you will, back to their front is huge and perfect. You know, Ben Roethlisberger has the third lowest adjusted completion percentage this year. Only only rookies Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are worse. Not not sure that means that much, but it does suggest that he hasn't been on his A game. And as you said, on the road, to always worry about road Ben. But again, another high-scoring affair. It's why it's one of the games we talked about. I'm firing up Antonio Brown in DFS. I'm paying up for him. Tyler Boyd in, in DFS as well. A.J. Green, there's some concern that Joe Hayden could shadow him. It's what, what he did last week against Julio Jones. But A.J. Green going never used to run out of the slot this year he leads the nfl in yards per route run out of the slot so maybe hayden won't be able to shadow him i'm firing him up i like cj uzuma and vance mcdonald is cheaper dfs options for tight end so yeah another another game with a ton of fantasy goodies yeah it's interesting because antonio brown last week finally connected with big ben in the third quarter but big ben was forcing him the ball i mean clearly he made a bunch of noise i expected that to happen the previous week if you remember right because he'd been complaining for a little bit so i thought that that squeaky wheel was going to get the grease in week four happens in week five clearly intended right like it looked like there was a conversation about getting a b those high value targets and he finally got him and started clicking because also the pittsburgh running game was able to turn the motor over right so that I think helped the entire offense. And when you look at the Cincinnati box score, it's not great, but Cincinnati decided to focus on the run game when facing Miami. And that is frankly the way to beat Miami. Sony Michelle was galloping through giant holes the week before that, right? So, and I expect Jordan Howard to have a big game against Miami this coming week. So, 
I do think that there's going to be high scoring potential. I think AJ Green, for I love the point you made about him running out of the slot. And because of that, I have him projected for two touchdowns. I don't think he catches a ton of balls in this one, maybe five, six, but I think he can catch, uh, like maybe he sees seven targets, five catches, two of those in the end zone would not surprise me. And I think AB and Big Ben continue to try to get him those high value targets. And I think he scores again in this one. Do you think I'm too high on AJ Green? No, it's certainly possible for him. I mean, he's a locked and loaded top 10 star for sure. One other, one other guy I will, will want to mention is, is Joe Mixon, who I was just mm. far too down, far too down on before the season. Fully admit I was wrong on him. He's a borderline top five star every week. I mean, it didn't take long for him to immediately be the workhorse last week. So, you know, he gets the catches, he gets the goal line looks. So he's, uh, I think I have him as my running back six this week. I also think that he's going to get a ton of goal line looks, both on the ground and some red zone targets via the air because without Tyler Eifert, this team outside of AJ Green doesn't have a red zone threat. I'm I'm not believing in CJ Uzuma, who's a lower round draft pick from the same class as Tyler Croft. I just can't do it, but I know that Mixon can convert in the red area of the field and we've seen AJ Green do it for years and years. So I would expect Joe Mixon to become that much more valuable, assuming he's healthy with Tyler Eifert, not in. No, yeah, it's gone perfectly for Mixon. Outside weapons, defenses have to focus on, but the main red zone threat for his touch is taken away. The Chargers are on the road. Well, I guess they're kind of on the road every week because that's not really a home game that they're, that they're playing. But they're on the road at Cleveland, kind of like the Mavericks are at the Suns this week. The Browns are the Mavericks, a team that's been very bad the last few years, but they have an exciting once-in-a-generation rookie that could change their fortunes. Where the Chargers are the Suns, a team known for their historically good offenses, but have been generally snake-bitten this century. Are you intrigued by Antonio Callaway because Richard Higgins is out, or are you worried that his struggles will affect the rest of this receiving core and not continue the Browns' winning streak? Uh, he's just been so bad, Callaway. Watching him get tackled at the one or drop a pass or commit a penalty or fall down in the kick return, he's just been extremely frustrating. So it would have to be a deeper league for me. But man, Baker Mayfield throwing for 342 yards and getting 8.0 YPA against that Ravens defense that entered leading mm. the league in the fewest YPA. And then they got Jimmy Smith back. Mayfield's my QB 12 this week. Uh, I like him at home against the Chargers. This uh, seems like it's a theme every week. Seems like should be a lot of points on the board, but I do expect it to be the, be the case in this one as well. And I'm not really loving Njoku this week, not just because he hasn't popped as we were expecting, but the Chargers have been quite good. They have the Derwin James, I believe is his name, a rookie safety there who has yep. been lights out. Yeah, and Njoku, I'd like to see it first before. I mean, I love the targets and I love the, the theoretical upside. We saw him make big plays as a rookie and now he has a, a, a ostensibly a good quarterback throwing to him. But uh, I'd like to see him actually do it on the field if, 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 if at all possible first. And, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show about Kamara and Ingram. And as I'm looking at this matchup, I can't help but look at Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler and think that they might be kind of close to that for 2018. You know, Melvin Gordon is actually getting more yards per route run than Alvin Kamara this season, which is just crazy because as a receiver, Kamara just killed in that stat, led the NFL last year among running backs, and Gordon was perceived as a poor receiver. So he really improved his game there. The Browns are the second-ranked defense in DVOA this year, so it's not the greatest setup. I mean, obviously, Gordon gets all those those catches. The targets have been there. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's the greatest setup, really, for, for Eckler this week as it has been the past couple. Interesting. All right. So let's move on to Indianapolis at the New York Jets. I am emphatically comparing this matchup to the Hawks at the Knicks. 
Yes, you are, Liz. The Jets are the Hawks, historically underwhelming franchises led by top-of-their-class draft picks in Sam Darnold and Trey Young. The Colts are the Knicks. Andrew Luck is Chris Stapp's Porzingis, a once-in-a-generation player trying to come back from injury on a not-so-great team. I mean, where else? What other show will give you an Andrew Luck, Chris Stapp's Porzingis ref comparison? Seriously. I mean, seriously. I can't think of one. Just <laughs> as a you. producer, I can't think of one. Thank you, producer Brett. So do you think that the Jets can repeat their offensive explosion from last week, Dalton? Yeah, we can make this a quick one. So, the, so on the flip side, the Jets have seeded the third most fantasy points, the slot position. And that's where Chester Rogers has ran 95% of his routes this you're, season. So you're I like stealing him as a my sleeper. DFS thunder here. You're stealing my oh, DFS thunder. Oh, I'm sorry. T.Y. Hilton, Delph. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Liz. That is a good pick by you. Um, I am keep firing up Isaiah Crowell. I mean, the guy leads the NFL in breakaway percentage. Robbie Anderson finally came off the milk carton last week. Quincy Inunua has a good matchup this week. So, um, yeah, I actually do think the Jets have a lot of sneaky plays. Make sure Crowell is, is playing because he actually missed some practice. And if he were to miss this game, then below Powell would be a, a real strong fantasy start. He'd be blown up Powell. It'd be huge. For sure. Or no, he'd be Billy Powell. How about that? That's even better. Let's talk about the Rams at Denver before we can ruminate on that horrible pun that I made. Very much like the Cavs at Raptors. Yeah, the Broncos are the Cavs. They both won a title in 2016 with one of the greatest players ever. But 2016 was a long time ago, and things aren't looking great. The Rams are the Raptors. They're cool. They've got an MVP candidate, and they can win their conference. (laughs) So what do you... I love that drop. Producer Brett right here is losing his potatoes, and it's a beautiful thing to see. So, Dalton, what are you doing if you were lucky enough to draft Cooks or Cup? I mean, we're not 100% sure they're going to play. Yeah, they have returned to practice, and assuming all systems go, I'm going to treat them as they are playing. And at least on paper, these things aren't always so perfect. But on paper, Cooks has the better matchup with Chris Harris lined up with Cup in the slot. But, I I mean, it's hard to bench either of these guys. So um, give me the Rams wide receivers as long as they're healthy, and it certainly looks like they're they're all set to be this week. Again, crazy, you know, last week's favored by seven in Seattle. This week, favored by seven in Denver. Uh, and for good reason, this Los Angeles offense is just just incredibly playing incredibly well. And Robert Woods, my goodness, he proved to me to be well, he has been proving to me to be so much more than a possession receiver. Right? That's what we all thought of him heading into the 2017 season. Yeah, he can get downfield, but like he was throwing blocks. He moved to the inside so that Josh Reynolds could do his thing on the outside. His versatility and willingness and flexibility completely wowed me in this one. And I know that that doesn't necessarily always translate into fantasy numbers, but watching this game and watching how artfully he played, I was in complete awe of him. Yeah, I'm looking at my rankings. I need to lower him a little. That's because I had him ranked as a wide receiver one. Assuming the the other two were going to be out. Exactly. Exactly. That's how much upside I would have given him is what I'm saying. I totally agree with you. If if it wasn't for those other two receivers taking the targets, he would would have a a wide receiver one type upside. As is, I'm going to have to bump him down. But totally, I mean, these guys are all worth starting. One other thing to mention about this game is it's calling for snow um, and temperatures in the 20s. But not a ton of wind, so I'm actually not affecting it. I'm not letting it affect my rankings now. But of all the games this weekend, this is one you might want to check 
beforehand. Although, um, unfortunately, it, it's probably an afternoon game, so, so you can't, you're going to have a little less leeway with your lineups. Yeah. In terms of projections, I don't imagine Brandon Cooks finds the end zone in this one. That's not anything new necessarily, but I think you're going to see probably, assuming he plays again, six to seven catches. 90-ish yards, maybe 87 to 91, If depending how out of hand it gets. I do think Cooper Cup scores because you had to count on him for a touchdown every single week when he's healthy. His rapport with Jared Goff in the red area of the field is just bananas. And Robert Woods, even if those other two players play, I still think he has a good shot at finding the end zone. And I wouldn't be surprised if he also puts up six to seven balls for somewhere between, you know, 80 and maybe even a hundred if one of them sits yards. Totally agree. I have them all three ranked as a uh, top 25 receivers this week. So uh, I'm with you. Fire them up. All right. Fire them up and get fired up because Brad Evans and Andy Barons are going to go Adam Rock'em Sock'em style. All right, now it's time for a new segment called Rock'em Sock'em Ranks, where Andy Barons and I are going to throw haymakers at one and I. And I would presume that Andy would go full Khabib and scale the fencing and then go into the audience and start breathing the brakes off everybody. Is that correct, Barons? Is that what you're going to do here? Yeah, that's my intention. I'm a, <laughs> as you know, I'm among the most violent of fantasy experts, so absolutely. Yes, you are. You definitely have that violent streak in you. All right, let's get into this. Uh, we're going to go position by position here. Let's start a quarterback um, and the differential in rank here. Barons, Andy Dalton this week gets the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got him at QB 11. A perfectly respectable respectable rank i would say i well you know i'm ceo of team huevos and because of that and because you're also the flag bearer for team raisins you are the ceo of team ginger that much is apparent <laughs> what you cannot see right now because i don't have video pulled up i'm actually wearing the ginger fish shirt the <laughs> tank williams original in honor of andy dalton so i i'm going to give you the floor first here defend your rank of andy dalton as a teetering qb1 and 12 team leagues this week listen like i'm i I almost want to just yield the floor to you because I, I, I don't fully understand the idea of Andy Dalton as like a like if I'm ranking somebody, you know, top five, six, seven, there's no doubt in my mind that they're uh, like an every league starter. Andy Dalton's a couple weeks removed from like a four interception game. We we know the full range of outcomes is always on the table with Dalton, right? That's not that shouldn't be unclear. He has historically a pretty terrible record against Pittsburgh fantasy wise, right? Average. Not that that's everything, but he averages uh, less than 210 passing yards per game against them, barely averaging a touchdown per game against them. He could have a good game. He could have his usual Andy Dalton sort of 235-ish yard, two touchdown, one interception game. It is a great matchup. Pittsburgh has been incredibly friendly. I don't doubt Andy Dalton's ability to bungle any um, terrific matchup. So, uh -huh. I, again, this is this is just a way to express the full possible range of outcomes for Andy Dalton. I don't think he's a surefire starter, but hey, you got you got Stafford or Breeze on a bye. I think he's a viable play. Um, but I but I again, I just don't ever think of him as just a rock solid top five ish quarterback. Well, I certainly view him uh, in that category this week. Again, the Steelers, as you alluded to, have allowed the second most fantasy points, 7.8 yards per attempt, 13 passing touchdowns uh, so far this year to the quarterback position. Artie Burns has been uh, a turnstile defender so far this season, close to a perfect passer rating surrendered to his assignments. Uh, they have just issues across the board. And look, Andy Dalton has been you know, a middling quarterback this season. I, I don't disagree with that. QB 16 
14 in terms of fantasy points per game, but he's also top 10 in total air yards, top 10 in total red zone attempts. I like him tremendously this week. I think he goes uh, for like 330, 350, uh, two to four touchdowns. Yeah, there may be a couple of turnovers in there, but you also got to remember the over-under in this game, according to Sin City, is 52 and a half. So it should be a bonanza of fantasy goodness. You like him over Jameis? I do. Not by much. I've got Jameis at QB seven this week, and again, I got Dalton at QB five. Yeah, yeah. I think they're. I think those are the two um, potential waiver wire quarterbacks that you might be interested in. All right, so we're going to agree to disagree on the red rifle. Let's go to a guy that I affectionately call total junk, though he's been a, t- a total juggernaut. <laughs> TJ Yeldon, he is RB11 right now in terms of half-point PPR uh, points per game yield. Uh, He gets the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Again, no Leonard Fournette still dealing with those soft tissue issues. Andy, you've got him ranked at RB13. I am at RB21. Defend yourself. Yeah, this is actually about as low as I'm ever going to be on a guy who is almost a lock to see 18-plus touches, right? Like, the thing about Yeldon is that, number one, he's impervious to game flow because he's such a huge part of what they do in the passing game, uh, especially with Fournette out, obviously. We expect him to get something very close to a full workload, certainly everything that he can handle. The options behind him right now include Jamal Charles, who hasn't had a carry in the NFL in I don't know how long, right? Like, there's well, just... well, they just dug him up out of the graveyard, I think. They <laughs> yeah, exhumed him. A Halloween special, that's right. Zombie yeah. Jamal Charles. Um, there's, there's just nothing behind him that's particularly interesting. He's he's going to play, and again, it's plus the run is going to be in play all day because Dallas refuses to score points. They, like It's a, it's a, a go-nowhere offense. So uh, the run is going to be in play constantly. Uh, He's going to see 18 to 20 touches, Um, even if he's not the most efficient back in the game or among the top 30 most efficient backs in the game. The yards are going to be there. The touches are going to be there. And uh, for PPR owners, the receptions are certainly going to be there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, your reasoning is sound here. And you look at the Dallas Cowboys, the vulnerability in terms of defending the running back position is through the air. They've given up 7.6 receptions per contest, two RBs this year, though just 3.30 yards per carry in the 10th fewest fantasy points uh, allotted to the position. I just don't think Yeldon finds the end zone. I think this is going to be a low-scoring affair. This has got like uh, 12, 10, 9, 6, some of the Jags-Titans <laughs> game uh, from a couple of weeks ago written all over it. I'm heavy on the under uh, and as uh, respectfully as uh, TJ Eldon has played again he's averaging 90.4 total yards per game I got him down for 88 combined and no score that's why I got him at RB 21 at back end RB2 and half point or greater PPR leagues, but not that guy that's on the fence of the QB or RB1 class, as you are suggesting. So you've got the cat scratch fever, and I certainly don't for TJ Yeldon. <laughs> Let's go to Josh Gordon. Uh, you got to seek at a wide receiver here, and you want to talk oh about gosh. a you, game you that's going to go be... a minute without talking about Josh no, Gordon. I, I can't believe to. we're talking about Josh Gordon. And Andy, the people want to hear me blather about Josh Gordon endlessly. <laughs> they demand it. Uh, so he gets a Kansas City Chiefs. I think the over-under now has climbed to like 165 yeah. in this game. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's going to be probably the most fun we've seen on a primetime Sunday night game in quite some time. Um, you, bearishly, appropriately enough, given your last name, at wide receiver 32 on Josh Gordon. Like, that's I'm at good. wide receiver 16. That's good. Like 32. How, how is that good? 32. That's not good. Like ringing a guy as a wide receiver three when he's coming off a four target game, when he's absolutely new to the offense, when he's not the number one, number two, or number three, or number four. 
option in the passing game is pretty aggressive, and I think it reflects the hope that Josh Gordon can do something similar to what he did last week, which was basically a secondary option, broken play touchdown, where he goes up and just plucks one uh, between defenders. All counts the same, Andy. All counts the same. I I know, absolutely. It's just there's, there's no reasonable path here for Josh Gordon to be targeted like eight, nine, ten times. It's just not going to happen. So uh, off the presumptive workload alone, I I can't put a guy like that inside my top 20. Um, It's only, uh, you know, a reflection of the talent of both Brady and Gordon himself that lands him as a wide receiver three in my view. Well, he has seen his snap share increase now. I mean, he's still new to the game. His feet are still, um, you know, barely wet in this offense. Uh, he did see 22.7% of the snap share in his debut with the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that ramped up to 34.3% last week. I think he eclipses the 40% snap share threshold. And if that happens, I think you're going to see at least a handful of targets. I got to project it for four catches, 82 yards, and another long touchdown. We got to remember Steve Nelson. Is the likely matchup one on one, a guy that's given up 16 catches, 193 yards, and a touchdown to his assignments this season. And it's first to 70 wins. You want a piece of the action all over the place. Uh, one little side note here, Barons, in regards uh, to Gordon. Several online wagering sites out there have uh, his over under on yardage this week at 53 and a half. You're a betting man. Do you think he goes over that number? Yeah, g- give me the under. Easy under here. Like, you're hoping for oh, a you're touch. Say- you're, you're saying the under. Okay. Yeah, you're hoping for a touchdown with Gordon. I mean, he could certainly run another go route and, and again, uh, win a jump ball situation. Then it goes over on basically one catch. But uh, for a guy that I don't think is going to see even six targets, I, w- I would comfortably take the under. Flash will be a superhero under the primetime lights against the Kansas City Chiefs. Mark, Can't wait to talk about words. it again next week and every uh, week well, for the rest you know, of the season. Again, we're all about <laughs> pandering to our audience. We're trying to increase the ratings of this damn podcast, Andy Barrett. They <laughs> want more Josh Gordon speak, and we shall give it to them. They want more Barons. That's all they care about. They do. They they need more Judge Barons, actually, <laughs> in a powdered wig wearing the robe. Great stuff, Andy. Uh, again, follow our Rock'em Sock'em ranks picks every single week. I, I think we're going to have to track these, declare a winner week in and week out. Uh, so if you want to hit us up on Twitter, uh, follow Andy Barons at Andy Barons, myself at Yahoo Noise, uh, to see who winds up on top between Andy Dalton, TJ Yeldon, and Josh Gordon this week. Liz, back to you. I don't know about you, Dalton, but that segment really knocked me out. Yes, it did. And it's nice to hear them together. They're going to be the A-team, by the way. The A-team will be back at FFL this week, and I will be mercifully put back on the sidelines. (laughs) Well, we enjoyed having you. But you know what? We also enjoy engaging with our listeners and our audience. So that's why we ask you to at me. Don't at me, bro. Every single week and this week. The question that was sent to the Twitterverse was, what potentially bad fantasy decision do you need an intervention on? At Player One Fantasy said, it's a PPR league that I'm in. Is it worth it to pick up Jamal Charles? I have Mixon, Sony, Brita, and Eckler. Who would you drop? Yeah, well, I'm not dropping any of those guys for Jamal Charles, no and it's not particularly close. I mean, 75 hasn't a, Charles hasn't had 75 carries in a season since 2014. I mean, 31 years old, 
hasn't been playing all season. So, uh, no, I mean, I'd love to see it. The guy, last I checked, he led the NFL in history in yards per carry, the best. Hopefully he doesn't hurt that if he does hold that record still. So I love the player in his prime, but right now uh, it's a hard pass for me. He's also insurance for Corey Grant. Corey Grant is the player that got hurt, not TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon's right, still going right. to be the guy. This is just yep. depth, This is try- which also is telling, frankly, about Fournette's availability. Yeah, it is. I think he's going to come. It's going to be a few more weeks after the bye week, but it doesn't sound like Fournette's going to miss, you know, the whole season. So he's eventually going to be back as well. Mm. And Dalton, you know, like you and I talked at the beginning of the year, the beginning of the season, rather, which feels like at the beginning of our year, you loved Ajayi. I loved Fournette and the imp has bitten us both. Yeah, Jai is so frustrating. He was injured with one thing or another, and the touchdowns would have been there, but yeah, that didn't work out so well. Again, process over result, man. We got to be happy with what we were projecting, not what happened, because we cannot predict ACL tears and bulky hammies. Just can't do it. But back to our intervention, at Gustavo Diaz wants to know, is it it time to drop Amari Cooper? And if so, what waiver wire wide receiver can take his place? Oh, this one's tough. I know he's incredibly frustrating, but there's no way I'm dropping Amari Cooper. I mean, he's topped 115 receiving yards in two of the past four weeks. I know the other two, he's been beyond worthless. He'd rather have not played. Um, and, and have they moved him around more? It's completely not worked. He's actually has the second fewest yards per route run out of the slot. So it always doesn't equal fantasy gold playing the slot position, but I'm still a believer in the talent. He's young. Um, it is crazy that Martavis Bryant has become a fantasy option. It's very surprising to me, but not a chance I'm dropping Amari Cooper. I think they need to change Amari Cooper's name from Amari to trigger warning because he triggers my trust issues Every time I get a question about him, I have to consider ranking him week in and week out. I mean, last week he had one target. He caught it. But he was also being shadowed by Casey Hayward, who has shut him down on more than one occasion. So that's not... Yeah, the last three games. Yeah, yeah totally shut him down three games in a row completely. Casey Hayward has Amari Cooper's number. So that makes that matchup make more sense. Uh, this week, Seattle, they're defense as allowing an average of 160 yards per game to opposing wideouts. I have Cooper projected for six catches and 83 yards. That might be generous, but I do think that last week was an, I don't want to call it an aberration because it's happened before, but once you know the root of it, it makes more sense. Yeah, no Earl Thomas too. I just like the fact that Oakland has such a bad defense has forced them to have to throw in the second Mm -hmm. half of games frequently. All right, so at the leader 21, should I give up Gronk for Njoku and Hilton? Hey, I have my concerns. I have my no. concerns about Gronk, but uh, I'm not with Hilton currently injured, and we already talked about Njoku. So what, what do you think, Liz? Absolutely not. If I'm giving up Gronk for anything, listen, there are a million wide receiver threes. Like, the, le- legitimately, yeah. I think we're ranking like yeah. 80 receivers at a time because when I get to my wide receiver 40, I'm like, well, this guy could be... If I'm thinking of stat lines, he could probably give me wide receiver 25, wide receiver 28 numbers, but there are so many of these options. There's so much depth. I'm not trading a top tier tight end with possible question marks at such a scarce position for a wide receiver. I mean, if I'm going to stock any position, it's going to be running back. If I'm going to trade Gronk, then I better get like, I don't know, Austin Eckler and Tevin Coleman. And I even think that that's like not great. I I want a quality running back name and a throw in for Gronk. Yeah, I totally agree. Even a past his prime, 75% Gronk is capable of finishing as the third best fantasy tight end. Yeah, he still outbodies better than anybody else in the league. 
Yeah, and just such an up, you know, such an advantage being, you know, the tight end position versus a Hilton, as you said, so many generic uh, people of similar value who who are not currently hurt like Hilton is as well. All right, let's talk a little bit DFS. Let's make some money let's for some folks um, at the bargains. I mentioned Jordan Howard; he's twenty six dollars earlier. I like the matchup for him at Miami. Miami has been horrible against the run over the past few weeks, and. I know Howard wasn't involved in that game against Tampa Bay heading into the team's week five bye, but this one sets up really nicely for him. And even though Tariq Cohen finally got involved in week four, I think due to the creativity that Nagy needs to employ in order to get the most out of Cohen, Howard is going to have more opportunity in this one. It's just a much more straightforward matchup for me. So I like him. We mentioned Chester Rogers, who should light up Buster Screen in the slot. The Jets cornerback there, he's only $12. And Buster Screen is giving up 12.5 fantasy points per game. Rogers, I should also add, has managed 11 targets in back-to-back games with T.Y. Hilton banged up. So since last week went so well, me saying Vance McDonald, I'm going to stick to the tight end <laughs> position. And I know that was horrible. Sorry. What can I say? Uh, in Cameron Brait, 15. I like him this week. OJ Howard missed practice Thursday. I have him ranked aggressive as I do all the bucks. As, as I said, Winston, I just expect it to be a shootout there. He's my tight end six. And if you want to stick in that same game in the same position for a dollar more, Austin Hooper, I know he's been totally inconsistent throughout his career, saw good amount of targets last week and Tampa Bay has allowed the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Uh, what about fade? Who, who are you fading this week, Liz? I want to mention one more bargain because I feel like we haven't okay. talked about the um, Seahawks backfield now that Seattle is a run first operation over the past three weeks. They I think are. Russell Wilson has averaged 24 pass attempts over his last three games. And whether by far that's, the most NFL, by far the most run heavy team in the NFL, Seahawks. They are feeding their backs. Chris Carson is their RB1. I don't care if people don't like it. I don't care if Rashad Penny owners are still complaining about it. That is what's going on. He is $22 in Yahoo DFS, and he is a top 16 play for me this week. Yeah, I know Oakland rates toward the bottom in defensive run, defense DVOA. I have him as a borderline top 15 back this week. Totally agree. All right, so now let's talk fades. Um, Jordan Reed. I mean, when Cameron Bray, to all of your salient points, is available for $15, I am not paying up 20 for Jordan Reed. He had two targets, two targets in that game against New Orleans. Yeah. and. Carolina added Eric Reed to the safety position. So their uh, weakness, I guess you could call it, against tight ends earlier in the season is no more. Reed played over 80% of the snaps this past week, and he's a great safety. I mean, all of the off-field stuff not included. I don't think that sets up very nicely for Reed. I wish it did because I own him in uh, one of our high-stakes leagues that I think you're five and Owen, and I am not. Um, but I think in terms of value, Braid is a much better one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, for me, my fade is David Johnson at $33 in Minnesota. I know the Vikings D has not been super dominant this year, but 10.5 point underdogs, a game script really might not work out for Johnson. I mean, last week he had the two touchdowns and he saved his fantasy day there, but he got just 3.1 yards per carry in a game in which his team dominated the 49ers. So playing from behind, McCoy has not shown the ability to get him in space at $33 price tag. Uh, DJ's my fade this week. I would like to add that if you are in the trade market and you coming out, if if David Johnson does what you and I both believe he will, I guess, not do against Minnesota because of the matchup, 
I will definitely try to buy low on Johnson. He has not been the same player with Mike McCoy play calling and behind that shoddy offensive line, but his talent cannot be beat. And if you look at his end of the season schedule, he gets the Lions in week 14 and the Falcons in week 15. That sets up very nicely, assuming you can make it to the playoffs for fantasy purposes. Yeah, and I will say Christian Kirk looks really good, and so does Josh Rosen. The stats may not show it, but he's Mm -hmm. suffered so many drops since taking over, and he looks plenty competent, which will obviously help the offense and David Johnson in general moving forward. Yeah, and I actually think Christian Kirk might be interesting this week because if Minnesota's defense does have a weak spot other than maybe their pass rush without Everson Griffin in the mix, it's their rookie slot cornerback named Mark or Mike, Mike or Mike, Mark or Mike Hughes, M. Hughes. And he is a definite vulnerability. So I think especially when you consider the rapport that Rosen and Kirk seem to have developed, Kirk could again score and get a decent amount of targets. Hughes is a guy that I expect Rosen to pick on in the passing game. Yeah, Minnesota's allowed the second highest YPA this year, 9.1. And and it certainly makes sense that Arizona should be having to pass a lot playing from behind. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and submit your questions at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm Liz Loza. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Dalton Del Don. And we will be back with Scott Pianowski and Matt Harmon on Sunday night. <laughs>